This conversation is brought to you in part by Harvesthold from Verdant Technologies, with promotional consideration from Volcano Produce. Hey, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I don't know where you are in this world, but I hope it's a good day. I hope truly it's a good day. That's always my wish for everybody on this big round ball that we circulate around this galaxy that we're in trying to figure out where everybody else in the galaxy is. huh? That's what we're doing. We're trying to figure that out. We're hoping somebody out there's got help for us. God, I hope they are. I'm excited about my guest today. We're going to have a fun conversation. This is a big brand. It's been around a very long time. This family is icons in this industry. There's no two ways about it. And generation four is in. I got generation four in here because that's going to be the more, that's going to be the more fun generation. I don't want Matthew. He's too damn stubby. He's not going to, he won't be as much fun as Gabrielle's going to be, no doubt. Please, everybody, put your hands together. Pull over the car. Get off the treadmill. Let's get fired up. We're going to have a fun chat today with the VP of Marketing Communication from Diarigo all over. Diarigo Galactic. That's what we're calling you, Gabrielle. Diarigo Galactic. <laughs> Gabriella Diarigo is in the house, everybody. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm honored. This is great. I'm, I'm super excited to have you. Your brand is amazing. You guys have been around a long time. You, you're iconic in this industry. I got my pink shirt on and, you know, honoring the family today, coming in hot, in hot pink. And, you know, there's a fun thing to talk about. And, and you guys have seen so much in your family. And what I and, and what I loved about the idea when I was thinking about, like, you know, call Matthew, this and that. I said, I want to get the next generation. Let's get the younger folk in because they have such a great reflection point and they can just totally narc out the older folk and just totally say shit I want to get on camera, which is fabulous, right? This is your chance. I love it. So I'm really, really excited that you're here. I think we're going to have a fun chat. Before we get rolling, as I do with all my guests, I would love for you just to kind of say hello and tell everybody a little bit about your journey and bio, and then we'll get rocking and rolling. Yeah, of course. Um, again, thank you for having me. Um, I will be more fun than Matthew. No he's shit. Quite- that's why I called you. <laughs> he'll, he's a little bit busy these days. <laughs> Whatever. And you know what? And, and feel and if we just going to pick on Matthew for the next 30 minutes, I'm totally fine with that too. We can do that. I have notes. I have things. We can. I don't have a problem. I've got, I'm sure you've got plenty of stories. And we actually just had a, a nice little Zoom today with a bunch of our family members. Today actually commemorates the one year anniversary of the passing of my grandmother, Matthew's mother. Right. So I was listening to all the stories of the brothers, you know, kind of ratting on each other. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to get any shit for anything I've done because apparently you guys were hell on horrid. Those so are horrid. I'm I'm doing pretty well considering yeah. I'm an, a saint at this point. Hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, that's why you're here. And we're and trust me, we're going to get the stories. I want to hear them all. Perfect. <laughs> um, but just kind of give you a little bit of background on me. Um, like most people in family businesses, oh, not most, probably half. Um, I had no idea I was going into the business. I had no intention. Um, I didn't really know much about it. Um, my father is the oldest of the five brothers out of the New York contingent and left at a very young age to go to Arizona. Met my mother, my mother's from Mexico. So I was born and raised in Arizona. And um, my dad didn't really tell us much about the business. He didn't want us to feel pressured to ever join. Um, you know, it was kind of like, you know, do what you guys want to do. Produce is tough. So if you really got to make sure you want to do it, it's kind of like a face tattoo. You really got to be sure. Yeah. Total um, commitment. Yeah. Total commitment. And um you know, I sort of stumbled into it. I went to school for advertising, public relations and marketing and had every intention of ending up in New York, working at an agency. You know, it was all about that kind of life, being part of the hustle and bustle, the rat race. And uh, when I graduated in 2011 from college, my dad took my sister and I out, my older sister, to an event in Salinas and was just like, you know, I just want to introduce you, get an idea of what the business is about before, you know, run off and take over the world. 
We attended the event. It's our annual Broccoli Rob feed um, that they do every year. And I was completely taken aback by the business. I had no clue. I legitimately thought that we like sold broccoli at like farmer's markets. And kind of that was like the extent of it. I didn't really understand the vastness of the industry itself and, you know, our family's business within the industry. Right. So was I was a little bit shell-shocked, um, but I loved it. I thought it was so cool, so great. And, you know, I'd never had any ag experience. So in my back of my mind, I'm like, I'd never work here because I don't know what the hell I would be doing. Um, but at the end of our little trip, Margaret, my cousin, who was our VP of sales and marketing at the time, pulled my sister and I into her office and was like, I want to hire girls. We need to hire new people. I need more women here. So you got two weeks to decide. All right, go have fun at the party and we'll touch base. And we were <laughs> kind of just like, what? Um, but lo and behold, two weeks later, you know, we decided independently what we wanted to do, but we both decided we're like, you know, we'll give this a shot. I thought worst case scenario, I suck. I get fired and I just moved to New York. I was like, they're family. They can't disown me. I just won't work for the company. Um, and you know, fast forward, what, 11, 12 years later, boom, still here. You're hanging out. You're hanging out with me. I'm loving it. I know. I love it's, it's such a great story. And I love what you said about, you didn't know a lot about it and you came in, you were kind of blindsided by what the experience was. And I say this all the time, the best employees to bring into produce in in a lot of ways are people that have no clue because they don't have any bad habits. They don't know what other people have taught them. You have a great opportunity to get them on the right trajectory, the right path, you know, to be able to just like, Get no bad habits to fix, none of that stuff. So I can see where you walked in with those eyes wide open, and that's oh, not yeah. a small event that you went into, right? Your facility of a snow yeah. is it's, it's not, you know, it's not it's not a garden hose and a forklift. It's a little bigger than that. It's a little bigger than that, and it happened to be taking place during the Pebble Beach Food and Wine Festival, right? So, so you I got thought, like, oh, this isn't Salinas is like all the time. I'm in. Um, <laughs> it's not what Salinas is like all the time. No. But um, I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was, it's just such an interesting industry. There's so much to learn. There's so many different avenues within the industry itself. And the opportunity to actually get to work with your family, a lot of people might kind of not want to do it. You know, it's, it's very common to family businesses fall apart because people can't mm-hmm. get along. But um, not because it's my family, but we do a great job of keeping it like family first. Mm-hmm. Uh, respect each other, love each other. And, you know, the rest of it will fall into place. And that's been something that's been passed down from generation to generation, those values of, you know, stay tight first, love each other first. I think honestly, that's what's been making us so successful is that even when something really bad happens, we can blow up at each other at the office, have huge fights, mm-hmm. but you know, an hour later, we're like, we'll see you at dinner. Yeah. And it, that's it. Yeah. No. Uh, and, 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 you're absolutely right. It, it's a very tough dynamic to be in a family business. There's no two ways about it. But the family business to thrive, thrive under the exact circumstance you're talking about. Love first, family first. Don't let all this go. Keep it tight. Keep it real. Don't let all the outside influences of everybody else start to mess things up or at least hear opinions, hear what it is, get the right people in the room and tackle these issues. And the business thrives because you all start, in, because the key word in all of that is love, right? And when you build a business around love, it's very powerful. <laughs> it really is. You know, we need more of that. I, we, you know, we could use that in Washington, D.C. A little more love could probably go a long way in our country, right? And I we don't have enough a little of it. More than love in D.C., but that's yeah, just well, <laughs> that and some Windex and a fire hydrant, all kinds of crap you need to throw at that. Big fl- yeah, you need to flush a couple of times, all of it. I get you. No, there's no two ways. Oh. 
But let's talk about, you know, and try to tackle, because I was trying to figure out how to frame this stuff. I was thinking about this question. Like, how am I going to, like, and I thought to myself, no, I'm going to make this really easy on myself. I'm just going to make you do it. So I wanted to, I'm going to give you a big, broad question. I'm just going to just let you roll because I think it's the easiest way to get it. I want to tackle everything this amazing family has created, right? So that's a big, that's a big deal. So explain all the moving parts, if you wouldn't mind, throw a little history behind it, kind of what they do, how they integrate, whatever, just go. I'm going to let you have it. Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Gordon Robertson, CEO of Verdant Technologies. Thank you for listening to Todd Versations. Our innovative post-harvest solution, Harvest Hold Fresh, is a game changer in delivering longer-lasting produce from crop to cart. Our patent technology slows the clock, extending the shelf life of fruits and vegetables, helping to preserve them at their peak. By simply inserting a sheet of Harvest Hold Fresh into packaging after harvest, our solution works to significantly reduce waste, deliver return on investment, and offer robust sustainability benefits in the perishable produce supply chain. That's a winning proposition for the grower, the shipper, the retailer, the consumer, and our planet. Contact us today and let us help you change your fresh future with this one sheet wonder. Harvest Hold Fresh from Verdant Technologies. The business started out of Boston, actually. Uh, my great-grandfather and his brother immigrated from Messina, Sicily, went through Ellis Island, and actually went to Boston. So that was actually the first branch of the company. Right. Um, it was 1920, July 27th, 1920. And um, when they officially started the company. Um, it was actually Boston Fruit Company. So it was not the Dorigo company at that point. Um, three years later was when Dorigo Brothers Companies was actually incorporated out of California. Um, so 1923, that's the date that we use for our 100th anniversary. Right. Um, so we actually had the company and business and family name. Um, 1948, New York rolled around. So we're the New York's the youngest out of the three companies. And New York and Boston are wholesalers through and through. Uh, California is our growing arm. Um, we're all sister companies. So we're all separate financial entities that all work together under the Dorigo Company's umbrella. Right. Um, definitely a unique position within the industry. I don't know many other companies that have that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a, you know, it's a huge advantage. Um, we all work together. We buy from each other. We sell to each other. And, you know, we get... We've got the boots on the ground on the farming side. So we know exactly what's happening um, oftentimes before a lot of our competitors in our regions do, which is extremely helpful. Um, but we are four generations deep now. I'm one of six, fourth generation in New York. I've got a cousin, Sam, in Boston. My sister's in California. So, you know, we're kind of trying to fill in the gaps where there was a, a little bit of a bigger gap between third and fourth generation than there was between the second and third. Um but, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's a very extensive history. Um, we were, you know, we brought broccoli to this country. We introduced yeah. broccoli rob to this country. That's sort of what we like to hang our hat on. Um, in 1927, we were the first branded vegetable in this country with Andy Boy. Um, we were one of the first companies to ever ship product on refrigerated, you know, rail cars, um, you know, there's a, been a lot of significant milestones. We've been an answer to a Jeopardy question, um, yeah. which was pretty cool. I just recently found that out a couple of years ago. Um, can't find the footage though, which is great. Um, but you know, there's a, there's a nerd in this country that has that footage. I think it's hidden somewhere. Someone's got to have it. There's no way. It's no, just, one's like I need that tape. 
Somebody has every Jeopardy episode on VHS in their house. I guarantee it. Probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's, probably and their ca- right. And their cats probably sleep on like half of them. Sure. <laughs> Anybody who sees this, if you happen to have a copy, let me know. Yeah. All right. Um, we'll, put a call, we'll put a call out there. We'll put a call <laughs> out there. Um, but, it's you know, it's an extensive history. Um, my grandfather started our New York branch, you know, with, I think it was like $100,000 he was given, which back in the day was a huge amount of money. Huge but, amount of money. Uh, uh, showed up to the New York marketplace, which used to be down in what is now meatpacking and FIDI area before they moved up to Hunts Point and, you know, just would live at the market, live there, would mm-hmm. sleep wherever he could. There may be a hotel nearby and he would work eight hours, sleep four, work eight, sleep four. And I think he had three employees at the time and built it out to where we are now, we've got roughly 300 employees, three different facilities, all in in the Bronx. Um, our California company has just grown exponentially. Yeah, from where they were, and it's a beautiful facility, state of the art. My cousin John, you know, at the helm of that, running that, and he's done a fantastic job. He really took over for the company in 1991, I believe, um, and really brought it to the next level. Um, my technically second cousin Peter, but we call him my uncle in Boston has been, you know, steadily running it, you know, the Boston contingent for a long time. And his father ran it before him. And, you know, it's just been, we've been extremely fortunate that we have been able to find success. There's some luck in there for sure, but for sure, a lot of really hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. Let me tell you, Um, you know, we hear the stories and, you know, we're kind of feeling some of the blood, sweat, and tears in this fourth generation, you know, hitting, in the past couple of years. So and we're going to talk about that. Yeah. It's been interesting. Well, there's no doubt. Well, look, bottom line, your family, you know, I, I say this all, it's like building a ladder. That first rung of your ladder was incredibly strong, right? Love, commitment, hard work, ethics, you know, s- sleeping on a pallet, you know, yep. whatever the case may be. And it passed itself down and it's, and it starts to become a part of your DNA. It just starts to become a part of your family culture that to some people may not, it, it completely the opposite of what's in their family culture, but to yours, it's what it is. And you talk very candidly about the fact that it's love first, right? And that's incredibly powerful. And that's how you end up being in a fourth generation. Fourth generation businesses are not very common in this country today or anywhere. It's pretty rare. And, you know, you're also an interesting part of your generation is your generation as well. It's because the generation that, you know, Matthew's generation has the ability to look back, right? And have that learning and that discipline and remember when this situation came. And now, you know, he's got you guys looking forward and bringing the, the new world, as we like to sometimes say, that's coming, right? This new, but it is, it's the truth, right? AI, all this other crap you want to talk about. So it's a really unique place where you guys are at. You're almost like a sail in some ways where you're able to just keep that boat running really hard, but you're able to move as well with that wind. And I think it's incredibly powerful. You touched on a little bit from a longevity standpoint. I, I, I can't be remiss in not bringing this up. I mean, you've got a couple of big you know, momentous anniversaries coming up. One hundred years of Andy Boy, right? That's come on, hundred years. But screw the generation, hundred years. That's pretty impressive. And then seventy-five years in New York, right? Which is also incredibly impressive. So, give you kind of a what does everybody think about these milestones, right? Because it's certainly from your perspective, it's like obviously super, super cool. But then you go to that other, gen, you know, the older generations, they got to be thinking it's kind of cool as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's. It's extremely exciting. Um, we're obviously extremely proud of it. And, you know, I, I almost sense that there's sort of a sigh of relief at times, 
just because there, I mean, there have been some really, really difficult times with all three of the companies, you know, hitting different points of, are we going to make it this year? Are we going to do it? You know, uh, Salinas had a huge flood in like 92. And, you know, there was a point where they were worried that the company was going to, you know, go belly up and, you know, overcoming those obstacles and really, you know, facing everything head on, even when you didn't want to, and you were scared out of your mind and you're not really sure sometimes if the decision that you're making is the right one. And you just kind of have to go with your gut. Um, you know, I think there's definitely a sigh of relief in most part that we made it to this milestone, which is, you know, um, but extremely proud. Um, and you know, the one thing that we all keep just saying is, you know, we gotta be so grateful and so fortunate that we are allowed to be in this position because of the hard work that our predecessors put into the business. And, you know, we can't forget that it's a, you know, when we first came on into the business, myself and my cousins, you know, we were, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We've got all these plans and it really is, you know, you have to look at the traditions that have worked through. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this entire business is incredibly cyclical and, you know, things that have ha- are happening now have happened in the past in some way, shape or form. And you kind mm-hmm. of got to be able to having that opportunity to speak to my uncles, to speak to my dad, to speak to John, to speak to Andy himself, who's 99 years old, you know, you handle this. I know it was a completely different time, but for the most part, it's how strong were you? How resilient were you? How did you get to that point? And that's really what kind of pushes us forward, knowing that they've been able to get through something that was significant in their time and they muscled through it. It, you know, empowers us to think like, we can do this. There are plenty of times, especially during COVID, we were like, I don't know about this. Like, yeah, how are we going to get through this? Um, but being able to sort of lean into our predecessors and those relationships and having their words of cur- encouragement and, you know, reassurance that like, we're going to be able to do this. It's happened before, we can do it again. And yeah. that's a huge benefit that, you know, maybe some other co- companies don't have. Hundred percent. Well, look, you're generational superheroes. That's what you turn into, right? You start to get tougher and tougher as your generations go because to your exact point, you've lived through, you know, famine, flood, and fire, right? And um, everybody has a perspective on these issues. And I think because as well, because of the tightness of your family and the way that your family's involved, you know, again, that love first philosophy. Um, it certainly allows you to have a great amount of perspective when these issues get tough to where there's somebody, you know, there's, there's, there's that calm in the storm is a good way. I think you're probably putting it. For sure. And another thing, not only just the relationships we have interpersonally within the family, the relationships that have been built with our suppliers, with our customers for decades and generations, having those already built in is incredibly reassuring to us coming into the business. I mean, we've all been in here now for over a decade, so we're not necessarily new, but knowing that we've got people on the other side, we have partners on the other side of Mm -hmm. different segments of the business that trust us, want to work with us. We have that same trust in them. I mean, it's, it's a lot. You have to be able to really rely and know that when you need help, people are going to be able to come through for you. And that's something that all the Drigo companies across the board want to make sure that their customers, their suppliers know, like, even if it sounds and seems impossible, we're going to do whatever we have to do to make it work where we're both going to make it through this. And those are, I mean, you can't replace those. No. Well, and look back in the day when, you know, back in the, you know, a hundred years ago, there wasn't fax machines, there wasn't contracts, there was handshakes, it was cash. It was a whole different world. 
And, but, but again, that fourth generation, that, that mindset of being a good person, which, which is one thing I would, will attribute to, to you all is that you're all decent human beings. You're always enjoyable to be around and you come from a place of, you can see, I rephrase that. You can see where mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, great, grandpa, everybody, you can see the influence through your generation, right? You can see it as the kindness that's a part of that. So I think that's the most powerful thing about your family in a lot of ways to me. I mean, the business part is one thing, but I think it's who you are because, you know, you're not a mom and pop business anymore, right? It's, it's a little bit larger than that. You're four generations deep, right? The, 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 train is, the train is rolling down the tracks now. There's no, hey, slow down. It's just life is happening, right? So it's pretty cool. So yeah. my question to you, and I think about framing it up the way I just did, what's one of the best lessons your family's taught you about being a good person? I mean, but not Matthew, not Matthew. I'm not asking about him, not him. (laughs) Um, The number one thing that we hear across the board from doesn't matter what company, it doesn't matter what individual is, you know, your word is your bond. We still do business on a handshake. Like there's the contract that follows now because it's protocol, but you know, your word is your bond and make sure that you maintain your integrity because once you lose that, you're toast. It's, you know, it's brought up at every weekly sales meeting. We have that we, you know, anytime we all get together for shareholder meetings for board of directors, I mean, the word integrity is what really shines through. It's, you know, that's where we base everything off of it's, you know, don't get caught being cute as my uncle Mike likes to say, because yeah, last that long, but um, you know, that's really the, the main word that comes through all the time is just make sure that you maintain your integrity. And that's something that's, that's I, I believe in all the time. I think integrity is so important. It's really the only thing a person owns, right? And to your point, once yeah. you lose it, good luck, right? I mean, exactly. it, it, granted, this country is very forgiving about things that, you know, people do mistakes and this and that, and they lose that integrity. But at the end of the day, it's a tough thing for any individual to live with once you recognize you screwed that up. Talk, let's flip it over to like some, some of the best business advice you've gotten, because now that's got to be kind of fun because you've got, you know, grandpa's got a few words to say and great grandpa's running around. I mean, there's, come on, drop me a nugget there. I mean, it's definitely been, you know, work hard. You're going to put, you're going to get out of it what you put in. That is something that I have heard. I mean, from everybody and, <laughs> you know, you can go and sit and chill in an office and just hang out, but you're not going to get much from it. And, you know, our sole job as produce industry individuals, farmers and distributors is to feed people. And if you're not doing that, you're not doing your job. And there's a lot that kind of falls under that feeding people. It's, you know, feeding them food, feeding, I mean, this getting corny, but like feeding people souls, making people feel like they're valued. You, you've got to feed your employees on so many different levels, yeah. you know, from their paycheck to, you know, the morale throughout the company to reassurance to, I mean, there's so much that goes into that. And when I say feed people, that's sort of what I'm talking about. You're feeding them soup to nuts, like into their soul. And yeah sure that they feel valued to be there. And once people feel valued and feel appreciated, that's another, you know, key ingredient, I would say, that's going to make your company more successful. If somebody wants to be there and wants to show up every day, it's completely different from not. Oh, 100%. And it's tough to come across. I'm part of the generation, believe me, I know it. We uh, we got a little lazy, I think, in my opinion, with a lot of different things. And um you know, the work ethic isn't quite what it used to be. And, you know, at least in this industry, from the people I've come across that are around my age, that's still at the front of mind. Like people know you got to show up and you got to work. So putting mm-hmm. it 
what you want to get out of it for sure. Um, and my favorite piece of advice I got actually from my father, even before I started working in the industry, but, um, my uncle Matt might actually get mad that I said this, but it's ask for forgiveness, not permission. Yeah. But make sure you're doing it and you've, that the decision you're making is right. Don't just go and you know do stupid things because you feel like doing it. But if you know something's right in your gut, listen to it and ask for forgiveness after not for permission. Cause I mean, fortunately I've been lucky enough for it's worked out in my favor, <laughs> but um, you know, there's a lot of, there's still a lot of unknowns in this industry. There's a lot of, so. when you're at the mercy of mother nature and you're kind of just like shooting from the hip sometimes that's all you got. And it's a lot of trial and error. It's a, and you got to trust that it's going to work out. But um, I'd say that's probably my favorite piece of advice that I got from my father. I I love that. It's such great advice because, you know, a lot of times what stumbles up businesses is fear, fear of the unknown, being too conservative. Oh, you know, we can't take that risk. We shouldn't take that risk. Right. And, and sometimes you have to take a risk, you know, we're all on a path and we don't necessarily know where our path is taken. So we have choices, go left, go right, go up, go down, whatever it gets in front of us. And then the path changes. And, to your point, sometimes you've got to take, you know, a shot in the dark and 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 trust yourself. But I also believe that that the fact that you base a lot of integrity and it's something that's bred, right? Again, it's in your DNA and 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 the fact that you have the family legacy, you've got things to look at from those those guiding points. I, you know, I, I think it's great that you did. That's good advice. Who cares what Kevin Matt said? I don't care. Uncle Matt doesn't matter to me, right? I think it's good. I think it's powerful. I think it is. I think it shows courage. Because look, you guys are on the clock, right? Gen four is here. You know, here, here it comes, you know, now it's, now it's your, you know, now it's your responsibility. So, and it's certainly a different world than it was 75 years ago. It's certainly a different world than it was 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. So what's keeping you, you know, you guys get together, you guys have a power. You talk about everybody behind their backs. I know what you kids do. I know what it's like out there. <laughs> what keeps you up? What keeps you up at night when you think I mean, about this crazy business? There's a couple things, you know, it's now that we're, we're coming up in the business and, you know, sometime in the near future, we'll be at the helm of everything. You know, it's definitely nerve wracking. And, you know, we kind of joke with each other. We're like, we're going to be the ones to screw it up if we screw it up. So let's not screw it up. Um, But it's really just making sure that we're maintaining those values of, you know, hard work, integrity, and all those things. And, you know, making the generations before us proud. That's a huge thing. Um, A little peer pressure. It's a lot. And don't get me wrong, we screw up from time to time. It happens, but um, you know, making sure that we make them proud and that we continue and build upon what they've already built. We don't want to just coast, and that's kind of something that really keeps us up. How? What are we going to do to take us to the next level? What's the next step in the in the industry? What's the next step in the business? Is it you know building our own retail stores? Is it opening up restaurants? Is it you know, having satellite offices, is it, you know, expanding and having our own distribution centers? You know, we talk about all these things um, amongst ourselves. A lot of the times it's pie in the sky ideas, but, you know, how are we going to expand on the business and leave our mark? Because every generation's really left their mark and yeah. we're kind of wondering like, what's going to be ours and is it going to be significant enough to keep us going to a fifth, sixth, seventh and keep this thing, you know, ball rolling down the road. Well, I think I like the idea of like it's ours. Don't screw it up. I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, that was what my next. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Well, but, but you know, look, but again, it's great that you have those concerns, right? Because it shows that you care. It shows that you have passion. It shows that, you know, to your point, you're just not going to come in, punch a clock and go, hey, thanks for my checks. You know, adios. Yeah. So many companies are like that. That's why, that's why some of these companies don't get out of the second generation because the kids coming up don't give a shit. 
They want their yeah. truck. They want the money. They just, you know, whatever. I don't want to farm or they yeah. don't want to be a part of something. And it's, it's what it is. And so I think it's just a different world. I mean, it's, you guys have just got a different upbringing and let's be honest, cutting your teeth on the streets of Boston, on the streets of New York, hundred years ago, whatever, but 50, whatever kids, that ain't like walking down Beverly Hills, kiddos. I mean, it's a whole different world. And so yeah. there's a work ethic, there's a survival skill, you know, there's something that goes with all that. And if yeah. you've never been down, if you've never had the opportunity to go to the market in New York, if you've never had, a, especially 25, you know, if you had an opportunity 25 years ago, it's amazing. Yeah. But to go see what this world's like, or even the LA terminal in some ways, it's, it's really something, you know, it's really a neat experience to be able to go do and it's open. You can go do it. It's not like you can't. It's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty cool. It's a very different world. You know, I had the opportunity to work for the California side and work on the growing side of things and, you know, working with my uncles and have, like, you know, seeing what was going on with their accounts. I was like, yeah, I, you know, I could do that in New York. When I got to New York, it was like, I had no idea what I was talking about. It's a completely different world. It is, you know, you know, my younger cousin Gianna said this in an interview a couple of years ago. And she was like, it's almost as if like we provide the stability for the instability within the industry as wholesalers, right. which she couldn't have been more accurate. And, you know, we've been extremely fortunate, you know, Matthew, Michael, and Paul, my three uncles in New York have welcomed, welcomed us with open arms, which doesn't happen for every generation. You know, they are thrilled to have us there. They're excited to have us there. You know, anything we need, they're like, just let us know. We're going to, we want to teach you. They want us to, they don't want to keep us as like the kids in the business. They want us to be able to step in and, you know, have everything run like a well-oiled machine. Sure. Um, We're extremely grateful for that. And they've been great teachers and whether it's, you know, having to do with work, whether it's personal stuff that's going on in our lives, whether, you know, whatever it is, you know, they're there for us. And that's also very, very reassuring. You know, they're kind of our safety net. Um, Mm -hmm. which makes it a little bit easier when you're not working scared. It makes it a little bit easier to be more successful because like you said earlier, fear is a very, very powerful tool and you can either use it to your advantage or you can let it eat you alive. And crush you. And look, they have an obligation that they're honoring to the generation before them to make sure that they pass the baton the right way. And I think that's, I think that's really a powerful lesson for businesses to think about. Even if you're just a single business getting started, what, how do you empower the second generation? Why, what, what are my values? What are how am I building? How am I building myself to be a leader? I need to be when that generation comes, right? And I think that's really it's it's incredibly important. I mean, it's impactful. There's no two ways about it. Because again, as we said before, they don't get to four generations, five generations. You guys are talking six, seven generations, right? You're already ahead of the game. Thinking how are we going to do this next? That's I mean, that's that's a big path, no doubt. Oh, yeah. I want to switch yeah. gears on, on switch to a topic that that I'm real curious to hear your opinion on. You know. Uh, I, t- I talk a lot about the value of food in this country in a lot of ways, whether it's children's nutrition, fruit and vegetables, increasing, so whatever you want to do. And, and it's a really hard question sometimes for people to get their head wrapped around. And then uh, what are some of the opportunities you think that we can embrace more fully as a nation, as an industry to help us, you know, teach and understand or just get the message out for people to better appreciate what the value of food is? It's a big question. I think, you know, I was actually talking about this the other day with um, one of the local nonprofits that we work with, and they had partnered up with a hospital here in New York, New York Presbyterian. And we were talking along the lines of the solution these days is an easy fix. Everybody wants an easy fix. I don't feel good. I'm overweight. I'm lazy or whatever it might be. Um, I'm sick. Everyone's looking for a quick fix, a pill. There's like a prescription that goes out for God knows what now. And- shifting that focus to 
to thinking like, why not making produce a prescription, you mm -hmm. know, is there a healing? And I think that's something that COVID sparked it up a little bit. Again, it was a catalyst in getting people to revisit, like, what am I actually putting into my body and how important is it? Um, I would hope that it wouldn't take a pandemic again to have people focus that back. I think that the focus has shifted a little bit. I know that um, the IFPA now has been in DC and talking to senators and different representatives and, you know, making sure that we have a seat at the table where we didn't have that as an industry before. There was no real effort, I think, and it's shame on us as an industry to make sure we had a seat at the table where all of these discussions were happening and talking about, you know, food is health and produce and fresh this and fresh that. And we weren't even there. You know, we yeah. had a chance to kind of be a little bit more humble, if you will, and, you know, do the job that we want to do and, you know, be proud of that. But making sure that we're a part of those conversations is going to be huge. And mm -hmm. being the fresh produce world into a more, I guess, more vast discussion and a bigger discussion with, you know, the other topics that get discussed all the time in this country, um, North America and all over the world. I think we have been late to the game with that. And I don't necessarily know what the recipe is. If I had the answer, you know, I'd run for office, but um, it would be getting more involved in that segment and starting young. I mean, there's a lot of organizations and nonprofits that think they've got the right recipe to reach kids and they've been around forever, but that doesn't seem to be getting a whole lot of traction. Mm -mm. So really taking a look and doing some self-reflection with some of these organizations who are focusing on that. It's like, all right, well, what are we actually doing? Are we actually hitting the right people? Are we not providing the right information? Like how are we going to basically ingrain ourselves into the lives of everyday Americans to make sure that this is something that's constantly talked about? Um, there's, especially here in New York city in the Bronx, we have one of the, most unhealthy zip codes in the country. And we've got 100%. the largest produce market as a hub there, mm -hmm. which is just mind boggling to me, mm -hmm. but making sure that, you know, I know marketing and social media is very new to the produce world, but that's a huge way to reach people. Everybody mm -hmm. in their got a cell phone. I mean, there was a six-year-old on the subway the other day with a smartphone, you know, running through that thing, like he invented it. And you can reach people in so many different avenues and different facets now. And we've got to sort of kind of shift and put our money where our mouth is instead of just talking about it and mm -hmm. actually invest into those different avenues to make sure that that information is getting disseminated to the people that we need to have hear it. Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Gordon Robertson, CEO of Verdon Technologies. Thank you for listening to Todd Versations. Our innovative post-harvest solution, Harvest Hold Fresh, is a game changer in delivering longer lasting produce from crop to cart. Our patent technology slows the clock, extending the shelf life of fruits and vegetables, helping to preserve them at their peak. By simply inserting a sheet of Harvest Hold Fresh into packaging after harvest, our solution works to significantly reduce waste, deliver return on investment, and offer robust sustainability benefits in the perishable produce supply chain. That's a winning proposition for the grower, the shipper, the retailer, the consumer, and our planet. Contact us today and let us help you change your fresh future with this one sheet wonder. Harvest Hold Fresh from Verdant Technologies.
Bam, kids. I couldn't answer that any better. You're 100% right. Look, we made food. With food. I'm probably going to get in trouble for that answer. <laughs> I don't, no, I don't know. And I don't think so at all. I think the answer is beautiful because, you know, here, real simple to come back around on what you just said. Look at television and tell me what commercial you've seen to eat better food. Tell me what commercial you've seen to go eat bananas. Tell me what commercial you've seen to go eat, you know, whatever. Your drive, your commercial people going through the drive-through. It's it's gar, you know, it is what it is, right? So we don't. We made food, you know, and, and and there's positives to I make the statement. We've made food very easy. Therefore, we have dummied down everybody's idea of what good food is and how to value food. Right. Right. And and to your point in the Bronx, right? You know, and I think about it, and first because of my mind is my friend Stephen Ritz, what he's doing at the Green Bronx Machine, which is just killer yeah. work. I got to give Stephen some love every time I can think of him. But you think about the bodegas and what's there, right? It's yeah. life. It's it's there's food deserts everywhere in this country, and the food deserts are not helping us because to the point of what you're making, our our economy will change, the climate will change, the, the world's health will change. There's so many things come from being able to embrace and drive value back in the food. I mean, yeah. there's a lot to it. And I, I appreciate your answer. I think it's fantastic. And somebody gives you shit, tell them to call me. I'll argue with them. I think it's spot on. I think it's bullshit. No, I really do because. Because we've made it easy, but it's to the detriment of our country that we've made it easy, right? And we're hurting the American farmers. We're not getting second generation farmers coming. There's so many debates around all this stuff. That's why I keep trying to bring this subject up. It's a hard question for people to answer. It's like, how do you value food? Yeah. People don't know how to answer that. But I think it's one we need to continue to answer, ask ourselves. And then we need to be teaching that down to the kids because that's the fastest way we're going to fix this rock that we're spinning on is by working harder with these kids. It's something about your family too. You know, You can either take the wisdom that you have and you could take it forward, right? Or you could take that wisdom and pass it back, right? Yeah. And downstream and start to work that wisdom. The things that, look, my generation is going to get this shit right. We're running out of time. We ain't going to fix all the things we thought we were going to fix 20 years ago. Be honest, we're not, right? So why not go backwards? Why not go back and try to say, hey, these are things we need to be thinking about, kids. This is the way we should be eating. We should be looking at stuff. Powerful answer, and I love it. Thank you for sharing that. It was really cool. Yeah. You talked about giving back a little bit, and this I know is a big part of your family, and I can't let you out of here without talking about this. It, you know, it is in your guys' DNA. It has been for a very, very long time, right? That's why I'm wearing pink today, right? So share a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, some of the examples about how you guys give back. And and I'll let you start with that, and I'm going to give you one more follow-up question to that. Go for it. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the ways that we started, I think, back in 1999 with our California company, at least, um, when we had the lovely Nick Pascoli was actually our director of marketing at the time. Um, we started the partnership with the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. Right. And, you know, they have just all of the marketing dollars and power in the world. And so we thought, okay, if we can't do this or can't quite figure it out yet or can't put the dollars behind it right now, let's partner with somebody who knows what they're doing. So that was kind of step one, identifying what we were lacking, where we could help, where we could receive help. Um, and that partnership is still going very, very strong today. But outside of that, you know, in Massachusetts, in New York, in California, there's always excess of food, always, you know, whether, you know, a field went bad, it didn't quite meet grade, or we had to pack it in a second or third label or whatever the case may be. In New York, there's a ton of excess. I mean, the produce market in New York is we're bursting at the seams. We've been bursting at the seams, quite frankly, since we opened in 1967 in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. Um and there's an amazing amount of food that goes through there that is either rejected and it still looks good. There's nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't pretty enough to be on the retail shelf or somebody overbought or, you know, a market changed and we're flush now. So 
for one, it helps us alleviate the space selfishly so we can make more room for stuff that's coming in. But there's just so many people. And my grandfather experienced this because he was broke when he moved here. All of the money went into the business and it wasn't like he could whip back up to Boston real quick, go eat dinner, get some free food and come back down. You know, he had to kind of figure out like, what the hell am I going to do? Um, and he utilized a lot of these, well, what were the, you know, the food pantries back in the day, the charity of other people to kind of help him, you know, survive for lack of a better term to get through in business. And that's something that he was extremely passionate about. And my grandmother, God rest her soul as well. I mean, she would, she was a farm girl from upstate New York. I mean, she went to Cornell and she said it was like heaven on earth because she actually had a bedroom with, you know, that was insulated and wasn't freezing. And she knew the struggle of what it was to get food. And they, you know, they both lived through the great depression and they understand how difficult it is and what an impact it has on your life as a whole to not have access to food. So that was something that they, you know, hammered in our heads. Um, my, my uncles, my aunts, us, that's been passed down to us is, you know, if you've got people in need, Again, going back to what I said earlier, our sole job is to feed people. So if you've got food and there's people who need to eat, we're going to feed them, you know, and that's just part of the business. And, you know, if we can get people to have, it also goes back to, you know, educating people and getting fresh fruits and vegetables. A lot of people who don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables, you know, their quick stop is either, you know, what's the dollar menu at McDonald's? Right. Let me a bag of chips because it's cheap or a Snickers bar at my local bodega because I can't afford a bag salad or a pack of romaine hearts. You know, they're not thinking like that. They're thinking in dollars and cents and where's my money going to go that's going to keep me, my hunger satiated for longer. And that's where a lot of that comes into play as well. It's, you know, a multi-pronged approach, making sure people are eating, making sure they're getting nutritious food and making sure that these people and their kids don't know what it's like to go hungry. And right. that's a huge, huge thing that, you know, you know, it's when you go to these events and you're handing out food and you see how it, grateful and appreciative and just it, it changes their entire mindset oftentimes because they know they're going to have a meal that night. Or, you know, when we work with a ton of schools in the Bronx, you know, we're constantly delivering food. We have different programs, meal programs. Um, a lot of these kids, the only meals they get are at school. They oh. can't afford to, they simply just can't afford to eat at home. So it's like you hear these stories and you're just like, and they're good. They're good kids. They're trying hard. They're doing whatever they can to make something of themselves. They've, they hold the same values we do. They're just in a tougher spot. They're, they were not as fortunate as, you know, myself. And to see that and have it be in your face, you can't say no to that. Yeah. You just can't say 100%. no to it. No, it's a hundred percent. And it's, and once you start, once you learn to give back, Mm-hmm. Whether it's even mentoring, yeah. which I believe is just being a friend, right? It's 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 just you're addicted, 100%. right? And it, and it becomes something. It, like I said, it's a, it's a part of your DNA. It's part of your heritage in your business, right? I'm sure that if somebody was hungry and came up to Grandpa, he would hand him an apple, right? That man, sure. that man would invite him to come sit down at his dinner table and be like, "Eat until you basically can't walk." Yeah, right. And I think that that's something. That's a powerful lesson. I think, and I and I love it, and, I, and I'm excited to see your generation continue to carry that on because we have to lift each other up, right? We talked about it in the very beginning of this broadcast that if we would lean into to loving each other more, 100%. this planet would be such a better place. There, there, you know, all the things that we see going on with all of the posturing and all these things, and I'm pointing this at you, and you're pointing this at me. 
it solves nothing, right? It doesn't, it, it, it screws it up for everybody. So stop, right? Let's, at some yeah. point, we, we're all on this rock together. Just your view is different than my view, but we're still here. And yeah. I think we have to get past that. And so when I hear about generations like yours, I hear about companies like yours, I should say, that are doing that big of a lift of giving back and supporting their communities and other things all around and how the passion comes out of you sharing about it. It's encouraging to me to see that go. It's like, okay, cool. There's fourth generation got that shit figured out. I'm stoked about that. I don't really care how you run the fucking business, but I'm glad you're giving shit back because that's what we're going to win the day. No, the giving kidding. stuff cool. back is, you know, that's ingrained in us. It's it's not even a second thought. It's, you know, again, the stuff that keeps us up is night is, all right, how are we going to continue to be? Yeah, successful? I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the hard yeah. part. I know. The hard yeah. part. I get it. I get it. Yeah, the I get part. it. <laughs> yeah, the other part. So tell me what's next for you guys coming up? Anything exciting coming up in 2023 besides the big, you know, anniversary or you know, the anniversary parties and all that. Yeah. The big anniversary is making sure that, you know, we pay homage to those before us and, you know, recognizing that it, it is a significant milestone and that, you know, emphasizing, I'm sure the generations above me are going to put, put the pressure on, be like, we made it here. It's up to you guys to get us to the next one. But, you know, we've got a lot of irons in the fire. Um, Good. You know, our California company is always expanding, always looking to see, you know, whether it's, you know, automated harvesting, whether it's different, you know, seed varieties, you know, what can we produce? What's, what's the next, you know, packaging thing that's going to be, you know, important to consumers um, in New York and Boston, you know, we're looking at like, how can we expand the business to kind of get outside of just the market? You know, we've mm-hmm. got facilities outside of the market in New York and we're looking, you know, do we need to add satellite offices? Do we need to expand? Like, how can we further our distribution to not just, the New York metropolitan area, but how can we go into other regions? Um, and it's, you know, looking at other best in class companies to partner with, to, you know, make that happen. It, the mentality of we're going to do this all on our own and no one's going to be better than us has definitely been a mind shift that has changed. Um, you know, it's about figuring out what are other guys doing that they're experts in, how can we work together and both, you know, find success in that, in that way. Um, our California company has done an amazing job with that. You know, we've got some great partners, um, Driscoll Berries being one of them where, you know, they figured it out and they're, they're moving and it's been a great, you know, business venture and endeavor for both companies. Um, you know, in New York, we, we have the same partnerships with all of our growers. What are different things we can do? Is it a cross stock and consolidation type of setup? Um, you know, what are different ways that we can promote some of the new items you have? You know, we view ourselves as an extension of our supplier sales offices. So what do you need from us to help with that? Leaning into the partnerships and figuring out ways that we can work together, I think is going to hopefully be the catalyst and spark my generation's ideas of what our business should become down the road. Um, but I mean, those are kind of like five, 10 years down the line. And this next year, it's really just going to make sure that we take note of the successes that we have had and really absorb that, appreciate it to its fullest extent and show the appreciation as well to the partners that we've had that have gotten us to hundred years because we love it. not have been able to do it without any of them. So it's not I just our it. success. It's the partnerships that we've had a hundred percent. I love it. Congratulations. I think it's sort of super great. I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I'm, it's going to be great to watch you guys continue to go. And I'm, I'm on the sidelines cheerleading for you. I am. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> yeah. Don't screw it up. But you know, I'm on the Proud side. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out with me. I, I, this has truly been enjoyable and I've enjoyed talking with you and getting to know you a little bit and hearing your perspective and it's not Matthew. So it's so much better. Um, <laughs> 
No, teasing. Yeah, I love it. I'm not going to lie. I, I take a lot of his little, you know, one-liners yeah. and stuff and have turned that into my elevator speech. So that's good. And they're stealing shtick is not wrong. You can, that's not a big deal. I love it. But thank You've you been for doing being the here. job for a long time. <laughs> of course. I thank pre- you for having me. I appreciate it. It's really been an honor. Thanks for hanging out. And, uh, you know, come back anytime. We'd love to hear. Let's hear it. Let's find out. Yeah, we'd love to do it. I appreciate it. Everybody, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this. Uh, we really do appreciate all the love and support you give us and what we're doing and what we're trying to accomplish and all the great people around the world that are listening. It's so much fun to talk to everybody in some weird way through this mechanism called the internet. But thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Don't forget to check us out on social media, TLC underscore conversations. We're there because all the cool kids, you know why I'm on social media? Gabrielle, you know why I'm on social media? Because everything on there is the truth. Nobody lies on social media. Did you know that? Uh It's the bastion of goodness. News to me. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for being here, everybody. Remember, go inspire somebody today. It's incredibly important, just like you got inspired from this conversation. Get back, do good, trust yourself, follow your path. Take care, everybody. We'll see you real soon.